Hello everybody and welcome back to another True Crime Tuesday. I'm your host Isabella and I'm Asta and this is Oddly Unexplained. Now let's get into the most important part of the episode, the crucial part. Nothing else in this episode means more like that than this. Tea the day. Yes! Wait, I put it back because this is the second time we recorded this but... Basically, we did it last week, we're doing it again, but as blends. We're absolutely obsessed with yes, this tea. Yes, it's a jasmine tea, rosy a bit. Yeah, it's good. It's and a, a nice, bit fruity. It's a nice green tea. Mm. Now, we have a very old case for you today. We did it last week, we're doing it again, we're keeping things the same. This is a case that I think I've been writing and researching for many, many months now. I, I think I first found it maybe like... September last year. Yeah, like early the birth of this podcast. Early on, our really podcast was going through its baby years. But this is a very interesting case. It is. It a, truly is. Seems entirely coincidental, but the more you look into it, the more strange factors seem to jump out at you. Dun, dun, dun. This is the murders of the Lillard family. <laughs> Vidar Lillilid moved to Miami from Bergen, Norway in 1985. This is where, through the Jehovah's Witness denomination, oh. he met his soon-to-be wife, Delphina Zelaya. I love that name so much. It's a really good name. Now, the two of them got married in 1989. They then moved to Knoxville, Tennessee after the birth of their daughter to escape the dangers of Miami. What dangers of Miami? Probably drugs. Miami has a lot of drugs. But were they doing the drugs? I don't think so, but there were drugs around. Oh, just to keep their kids away. At least that's what I found in my source material. Okay, that's weird. Now, by 1995, they had two children. Their names were Tabitha and Peter. They have very witchy names. I like their names. Like, Delfina and Tabitha? Yeah. But then there's, like, I like Vida. Peter, Peter's the odd one out. I just want to say with Vida and Lily Lid. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing them, them both right, but if I'm not, that's because the YouTube video I used to tell me how to pronounce it told me wrong. So, <laughs> if I'm pronouncing them wrong, I'm just going to preface that I'm very sorry. Okay. Now, before I move into today's crime, I just want to quickly touch on what a Jehovah's Witness is, in case you don't know. Now, so I didn't know going into a this. A Jehovah's Witness is a distinct religious body within Christian So, is it a cult? Or is it a religion? I think there have been some... Or is it a bloodline? So I think there have been cults, like with a lot of different religions, there have been cults following the religion, but I don't. I wouldn't say generally they're a cult. Okay, I'd say so it's, it's like, not like Scientology or anything? No. So you know how there's like Catholics and Christians? Yes. I think they're like, they're another group. So okay, so it's like still, they still a very in, distinct religion. Yeah, they're like, okay. they believe in God and Jesus, but they have... They follow different things. So like how Catholics care more about saints. Yeah. That's that's sort of the difference. Now, okay. one of the main differences is what I found was that they don't celebrate Christmas and Easter or other pagan holidays. Yes. And another thing that probably is the one thing most people know about them is their rejection of blood transfers. That is, like, the one thing. When I've brought it up to people, that's what a lot of people seem to know. And do they believe in Jehovah? So, yeah. I what I, I found, know that's a god figure. I don't know what kind was, of god figure Yeah, Jehovah was a person. 
He was he was like a physical person. Yes, I think that is the belief. And sometimes I couldn't find a definitive answer, but I did see somewhere that he was something about him being some god. But I couldn't find like a definitive answer. Okay, so he could really go either way. It could be either way. Wait, who who knows? Anyway, let's jump into the crime. Yes. On April 6th, 1997, the Lillard family was returning from the annual Jehovah Witness Assembly in Johnson City. How often does this happen? Every year, annually. So is it just like a meeting of all of them in the so city? So what I sort or of like found was that it was like, so it was for all of the Jehovah's Witnesses in East Tennessee. So it was like, it was like a yeah. workshop. So they'd go, they'd meet, they'd discuss God and all that. Yeah. So they were they'd gone to their annual convention and they were returning home. So they were heading down Interstate 81 and just before 7:20 p.m., the family's van pulled into a rest stop at mile marker 41. So this is where they were. Okay, so this is like I know in Australia we have kilometer markers. So this kind is, of so essentially like every couple miles or every mile, maybe 5, I don't know how often, but they'll mark it. So you can sort of tell oh, how far on the interstate you are. I know on, like, our signs, we have big green signs and they say how far away everything is. I think this is sort of like that. So it'll say, okay, like, it's like a if you have, like, Google Maps on it, it'll say, tell you it's at mile marker 57 and you're okay. only at 32. So you know, like, I've got a bit longer to go. So this yeah. is 41. Yeah, okay. they're at mile marker 41. Now, this is where Vida carrying Peter approached two women. Natasha Cornett and Carol Howe. So, okay. just before I continue, I found very conflicting stories with this case. That's a very common theme. So, there are two ways I've seen this go. Either, while v- Vidar came and talked to these two women, um, Delphina and their daughter were in at the bathroom and they'd already met these two women and they'd come back out. So then they're back in the car, and now he's talking to them. Okay. Or he approached other people first. So I'm just okay. going off of this. Is this at the Jehovah Witnesses conference? No. So they're driving home, and they're pulled up at the gas station, okay. pretty much. And he's going up to talk to these two people. Now, I'm going to follow this one. Why? I'm going to get to that. Okay. But I'm going to just go off of this one, because this is the one I saw more commonly. But I have seen other variations of the story, and you'll I'll tell you by at the end. But pretty much, we've never been given a clear answers to anything. So if you've heard other things, that's probably why. Anyway, I'm going to keep going. Now, he struck up a conversation with these two about his beliefs. And I believe this was prompted by the dark-colored clothes and the makeup they were wearing. So this sort of led him to go and spread the word. Oh. Now, then Joseph Risner and Jason Bryant joined the conversation. So for the duration of the story, I'm going to be calling everyone by their last names. Okay. Just as preface. Now, this is when Risner discreetly showed Vida a 9mm handgun tucked into his pants. How? A 9mm? That's, I think that's to do with the bullet. I know nothing about guns, but I think it's the gun. I was not, about to say, like, the, the gun less than a centimeter. The gun is not nine millimeters Tiny long. little gun. The gun is not my nine millimeters long. And now, Tiny little bullets. Rizna then said, I hate to do this to you, but we are going to have to take you with us for your van. He then walked Peter and Vida back to their van. Vida pleaded, even offering the keys to stay at the rest job with his family, 
but Rizna refused. Then, with Vida at the wheel while Rizna held a gun to his head, Vida drove the van along with his wife, two kids, Rhina Bryant, Cornette, and Hal, down Payne Hollow Road to a spot that looked secluded at Rizna's directions. Now, they were followed by the group's car that, with the last two members, Dean Mullins and Crystal Sturgill. Can you just give me, like, a roundup of all the people? So, we have the family of the four members. Like, the criminals. The criminals. So the criminals includes Natasha Cornett, Karen Howell, Joseph Risner, Jason Bryant. Um, we also have Dean Mullins and Crystal Sturgill. So if you were counting, six. Yes, there's six of them. So that's a lot. Yeah. That's already like, and how old are these people? Like uh, monthly? So they range between 14 and 26. A 14. I think it's 14. One of the things, oh, I keep saying it, but there's a just not... Why are the 14-year-olds hanging out with the 26-year-olds? Don't do that. Now, the problem with these ages is that that is what I found according to some sources, but it's very hard to have a definitive of these Mm. kinds of things because they didn't really tell the police all that much. Anyway, so they've got the last two driving the car behind the van with the four, four of the criminals and the family. Okay, cool. Now... In this secluded little area, this is where the family was instructed to get out of the car and line up in the ditch at the bottom of the road. Yes. Now, this is when they were shot. All of them. Now, after the bullets had been fired, Bryant checked to see if they were alive. When he found that they were, the family was shot again. Oh, my God. Now, Vida was shot a total of six times. Oh, so he was alive. Yeah. So they had a look. They shot them once. None of them were dead. So they shot them all again. And then did they just go through that process? I think they only did it twice, and then they believed they were all dead. But they weren't. I'll get to that. Now, Vida was shot a total of six times, and Delphina a total of eight. One bullet hit Tabitha, and two hit Peter. Now, then the bodies were ranged reportedly in a cross. The group got back in the car. Like a Christian cross? Or like a a multiplication cross? I, a Christian cross. I don't think it's a multiplication cross. Yeah, that'd be a bit Also, weird. something that I couldn't entirely confirm was that, reportedly, the bullets shot into Vida and Delphina were in the shape of a pentagram. I don't know if that's true. That doesn't it's sound It's probably true. not. If I draw, if I just, like, if you imagine a pentagram, and then you imagine how many times the bullets were shot, I don't I think don't it'd be think able it'd be to make... Yeah, I don't believe it, but I saw it somewhere, so I just thought I'd mention okay. it. Now, then the group got back in the car and ran over the bodies as they turned around, drove over them. Oh my god. Now, Vida, Delphine, Vida and Delphina were killed that day, and Tabitha would die the next day in the hospital. But Peter, Peter survived. Poor Peter. Yeah, Peter was... It, I mean, I've had lots of debates. Is, is this worse than dying? I think, like it depends what happens in the afterlife. Obviously, nobody knows that. I don't know. Now we still do not know what member of the group performed the shootings because when they eventually went to trial, none of them said it was them, and that uh, that hugely impacted how they get tried. But we will get to that in a minute. Now the group left the family and headed for Mexico, attempting to flee the country. Now, the group actually did successfully make it into the country, only to be pulled aside by the Mexican police and have their van searched. Inside, the police found a knife and a photo album belonging to the Lilith family. Had the knife cut anyone? I don't think so. But 
the knife seems suspicious, and also the fact that Bryant was shot in the hand and foot. So, I mean, that doesn't normally occur, but, yeah. Like, I feel like you don't just walk up to people and be like, hey, wait, sorry, my shot hand. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't exactly find, I did look for it, but I could not find a definitive reason as to why the van was pulled over in search. But I think it might have actually had something to do with, at this point, they knew that it was the Lillilids who were dead, and they possibly had put out um, a sort of a warning to police, like, if you see this van, stop it. Yeah. But I I could not find a definitive answer. Anyway, the group... Oh, sorry, I just made a complete sound. The group was then ordered to re-enter the United States, where they were searched by Border Patrol officers and taken to Arizona jail. But they killed the people in Tennessee. Yes. Okay, and but how far away is Tennessee from Texas? Not Texas. Arizona, Arizona. Sorry. So pretty far, but Arizona is close to the Mexico border. Oh. Because they, when they went okay, to yeah. Mexico, they went through New Orleans and then to, so they went, they went, I think they went to Georgia, New Orleans, and then into Mexico. Okay. But Arizona was just the jail they sent them to. Yeah. Now I'm just going to quickly jump into the trial and convictions. So all six of the defendants signed a plea deal and in march of 1998 they were convicted they were convicted of felony murder as participants in a felony kidnapping and carjacking that resulted in three murders which is three life sentences each and an attempted murder 25 years each the six youths were each sentenced to life prison to life in prison with no possibility of parole okay so essentially that was their conviction, which I think is, it's an interesting one. Because you said some of them were minors. I think. Usually they don't try minors with life sentences. I guess part of the thing was, I know, for example, I think it was Natasha Cornett who said this, but she wouldn't have signed the deal except for the fact that the rest of them were. Oh. So I think that was sort of the deal, was they all had to agree, yes, we'll all take this, or... I think it was interesting, though, because... Because could they have gotten tried with the death sentence? Was the thing to avoid the death sentence? It was, but the thing I think is really interesting, and back to your minor question, I'm pretty sure that the minor actually was rumoured to have performed one of the shots, but... (laughs) What? Uh, Again, we don't know who, but something that I think is really interesting... So if I was in that situation and I hadn't shot them, I would only be, you would only be charged with kidnapping and carjacking, not murder. And or you might not even be charged. So. And if you did, it would normally be like. And like, it's not like the the person who you sent to jail by like, um, saying it was them is going to come back and kill you because they're in jail. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't care if they're your friends. Like, just, I don't know. Guys, if if there's any one of Isabel's friends and Isabella doing a crime, the friend gets blamed for it. Don't trust Isabella. I, I think it's an interesting conclusion. Okay. But as our final little wrap up, we're going to talk about Peter. Now, so where did Peter end up? Yeah. Now, after Peter's medical condition stabilized, this was around the end of April 1997, a custody battle began between his maternal grandmother, Lydia Solea, who lived in Miami, and his paternal aunt, Randy Haya, who lived in Sweden. Now, in the end, custody was given to Randy Haya in Sweden, and that's where he went to live. 
Now, the last thing I want to touch on before we wrap up is something that I think is a little interesting. Now, if you Google this case, you will find images of newspapers from around when this crime happened, calling them a satanic cult, calling Natasha Cornet the daughter of Satan. <laughs> so, the daughter of Satan thing. What? Supposedly. She recanted that statement many years later after she was tried. But so she said, hey, besties, I'm the daughter of Satan. In court. Now, supposedly, this is what she said many years later, was that her attorney actually told her to say that. Oh. Because people would be scared of her or something. I don't understand how that's helping you. Maybe she just had a bad attorney, but... Yeah, she called herself the daughter of Satan, and then the newspapers caught on to that. Of course, like that. And they're because they were, I don't know, edgy. Is that the way to describe them? Maybe edgy murderers? People, Emo murderers. People just assumed that they were probably in a satanic cult. I do think that some of the other kids actually said they did perform satanic rituals from time to time, but that it wasn't, oh. <laughs> but that it wasn't a regular thing, so it didn't really matter. I, I don't know. The thing is, we can't prove this. Yeah, we can't really prove it anyway, and we'll touch on that in my case next week. We sure will. Now, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. It was a good case. It's I like it. It's an interesting one. And remember to lock your doors. Oh, car doors. Don't forget to lock your car doors.